Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. Dun, 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 dun. All right, everybody, welcome to season four of the Love Good Podcast. Can you believe it? I mean, I hope all of you tuned in last week for our 100th episode celebration. We got to feature many of you, our listeners, specifically our patrons who are out there across the world, raising their standard for music, books, and art, building a better culture, not only with the media that they consume and curate and fund and patronize, but most importantly, with their lives. Y'all remain the reason for this movement. You remain my inspiration day in and day out. And we just can't thank you enough. So if you did not catch last week's very special 100th episode celebration, go back and listen to it. Today, I have the privilege of kicking off season four of the Love Good Podcast with Dr. Ryan Hanning. Now, many of you have come to love Ryan. He is a brilliant intellect. He's got an incredible heart. He lives life to its fullest. He's a husband, he's a father, he's a homesteader, he's a scholar, and he's one of my best friends, certainly one of my heroes that I look up to so very much. And we had a blast sitting down just a few days ago, in fact, discussing where we are as a culture right now. So much has happened really since the last time I got to be with Ryan in person between the coronavirus and quarantine followed by riots across the country and cries for justice. And now we are months away from a presidential election. One of the things I loved about today's conversation with Ryan is we just decided to pull back the veil and really, to the best of our ability, assess where we are in this cultural moment, this historical moment. And guess what? Here's the good news for you and for me. We cannot exaggerate the novelty of this moment, right? There's been many other crises down through the years. And even in America, we've had our own fair share of crises. And that doesn't make this moment any easier or even any less unique. But I think there is so much to learn from assessing previous moments of crisis in human history and realizing where we are realizing how we will come out of this and really what it is revealed about where we are and where we need to be. And that's so much of the conversation today with Ryan. It's a real privilege, as always, to get to sit down with him. And uh, well, before he comes in in the studio, I just want you to enjoy this little excerpt from our most recent Fireside Volume 1. If you guys don't know what this is, it's an incredible, incredible live album you cannot find anywhere else, acoustic, all recorded here in the Love Good studio with artists like Marie Miller and Scott Mulvihill and Nick Fabian. It's exclusively available at lovegoodculture.com slash free. So check that out and enjoy this song. In just a moment, I'll be back with Dr. Ryan Hanning. Pieces riddled and wrought with strife But we both know there's more to life The war was over years ago So, love no 
most known fear Oh, love, come near I'll whisper in your ear When you're ready to hear Love knows no fear Oh, love, come near I'll whisper in your ear When you're ready to hear Dr. Ryan Hanning, welcome back to the Love Good Podcast. It is, it is so good to be here in the <laughs> in the not-so-normal new normal. I, mean, I know. I feel like I just came out of surgery, which yeah. is odd for a doctor of theology, right? Yeah. I, I am not a scientist, but yet I donned the, the mask. How easily you could have gone that way. I mean, weren't you this close to a PhD in virology or yeah, something? Yeah, you know, I have a deep passion for it and interest, but definitely not the mind to really dive into those things. So I have actually a lot of friends that work in epidemiology and virology and a lot of my interest in it was more from the anthropological and like, you know, the perspective of how those things affect and, and intimate change in communities. Something we can even think about now, right? In times of the pandemic, what, what will we be like on the other side of this? Will we be better off or will we just, you know, forget everything that we've learned That's right. during this time? That's so. a key question that I'm sure we're all asking right now. And frankly, so much has happened since you were last in this studio. The world has changed. I know. It's completely changed. It's not the same world we, we woke up in four, four or five months ago. And here's what's crazy, too, is, you know, we recorded most of season three's conversations in the fall, like September, October, somewhere in there. And then they just trickled out. I mean, even though we changed clothes in between yeah. episodes, most people probably thought they were recorded mm-hmm. live. And, and yet they were recorded in a bundle. And here we are actually in the month of July right? So much is yet to unfold in the year 2020. I'm just ready for it to be over. Yeah. You know, I think there's this natural fatigue that, you know, humans, you know, for adaptable as we are, we really struggle with change. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is both a personal condition we all have and a social condition. You know, we want things uh, to stay uh, relatively normal, right? We have certain things we anchor ourselves to, and we're living in a time where we're you know, unanchored. Mm. And, and it's amazing because if you unanchor people who already have the essentials in mind, they can roll with it. That's right. They can dialogue, they can speak to it. But if you unanchor people who are already dislocated yeah. from yeah. their community, dislocated from, you know, the earth, dislocated from, from God, you know, it's, it's going to get crazy real quick. And it has, I mean, yeah. look at, look at where we are. We're living in, in strange times. It's a really great way of saying it because here's what's been really remarkable for me personally is initially this was just pure crisis and, and chaos and very hard to make sense of, very hard to process. And so I immediately kind of turned towards my, my pastor, incredible priest mm-hmm. here in Nashville. I started praying probably twice as much as I used to. And really, we went hard on live stream retreats and just gathering people in prayer as best we could, even if it was behind screens. And so my initial thought was, okay, this is a chance at the very least for me to fall more in love with God, Mm -hmm. to deepen this most important part of my life. And yet everything else was kind of falling apart around me. There was a lot of uncertainty about love good. And the next thing you knew, we had like a hundred new patrons that came in during quarantine alone. Yet there was a lot of uncertainty about the future of events. Mm -hmm. And actually to this day, like I don't really have an event on my calendar through 2021, you know? And that's a little bit scary when that's a huge revenue stream. And also just the way that you get to live the mission that you Mm -hmm. feel like God has given you. All that to say, the anchoring, as you put it, was so deep in prayer and just in the Lord that actually it created more of an openness and more of a creativity mm-hmm. in me to where I then made one of the biggest decisions of my life, which was to leave 
Nashville, Tennessee. Which is still crazy. My what? mind is still my mind is still blown. I'm I mean, the last person on earth to leave Nashville. Yeah, you know, you'll you know? be back. Don't worry, you'll be back. I've always said the Lord's got to stage his second coming somewhere. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be here. And I'm I'm gone. I might be gone for it now. You might be because things are looking you know, precipitously <laughs> more like he's coming now. I, I think I'll oh, wait for you. We'll see. It's exciting, yeah. but I think that's a really well said or, or kind of a well articulated perspective on these times for people who aren't anchored. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the uncertainty of it all is just too much. It's overwhelming. Whereas for me, it became an adventure. But not at first. At first, yeah. it was freaking me out, you know? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So I was reading, I spent an entire day just to try to get context on the situation of reading the psychology of buying toilet paper. <laughs> so, and, and it was fascinating. <laughs> and actually, there's a lot of like PubMed articles on this stuff. Like, why is it that people then in, in times of uncertainty anchor on to things that are normal, but often taken for granted. Mm. And there's this sort of deep thing that happens in a time of crisis where you try to you try to grab on to the things that still allow you to feel normal yeah. and that you're not really willing to live without. Mm. And so we see people doing this, but as this prolongs, people are reaching out to different things. Yeah, right. right. And, and if you reach out to things like family, you reach out to things like God, you reach out to things like, you know, the things that actually build up culture, authentic work, authentic leisure, chances are your stress level is probably higher, but not <laughs> outrageous. Yeah. But if you're grabbing onto things like toilet paper to determine your day, <laughs> you're gonna have a rough time, especially if you can't get it. If you that's know? your anchor, you know? If that's your anchor, um, you know, that's, it can be really difficult. So you know, we were down together in Thibodeau. I mean, that was the last That was the last thing. thing. We were there when this thing exploded. I mean, that's crazy. And you know, I, I showed up to our, our the house we stayed at with toilet paper rather than wine <laughs> as a gift, you know? Little did I know that would be so valuable. But yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I've been asking myself and our, my circle of friends, we have a, a group of, of men that we meet on Thursdays that we've shifted sort of to online as much as we can. And the question being is, what is the Lord teaching us in this, right? Mm. And I think that this is a central question for for every human person, right? What is what is any trial that we encounter meant to teach us about ourselves and, and meant to teach us how we ought to prepare for other future trials? Mm. You know, it's going to rain. It's we're going to have trials in our life. Yeah, and you know, in all ways, we can at least say, even if it's a matter of prudential judgment, how you handle it, we can say, those who use times of crisis or times of trial to become better at entering into the world, better at entering into who they are, those are the ones who who become the leaders in the next phase. Yeah. Those are the ones who who have the right then to take on the mantle for what comes next. Well said. And you know, the hope is is just trying to find where those people are right now. That's so good. And I've heard that a few different times. That right now in our midst, there are leaders and saints who are going to rise up from the ashes. You know, they're being formed in our very midst. They they might even actually be high schoolers, college students, mm-hmm. barely out of school, young adults who are being forever shaped by this crisis, by this mm-hmm. time of pandemic, and social unrest and cultural strife and political turmoil. I mean, this is certainly in my brief 34 years, the wildest stretch of American history and maybe of human history I've ever seen. Yeah, plus, you know, the, the globality of this, right? The, the fact that because of modern media, we can experience this together in a That's unique right. way. Now, what I, what I think of when I hear you say that statement is, you know, where are these future leaders and are we asking the right questions to form them? Yeah. And you know, this is really, you know, so like for instance, you know, 
what type of world do we want to live in? And, and we can see that in the negative. We can see, you know, the horrible death of George Floyd and others. And we can say, gosh, that is not right. That's not the world we want to live in. And the question then is, is, you know, is, is what type of world do we want to live in? So I think it's easy for us to rally around things that are not right, yeah. right? We can rally around the fact that the pandemic is causing serious economic collapse and serious inconvenience, mm. right? Yeah, I was sharing with you earlier that the sanguine in me, right? Like the researcher in me totally understands like the mask, like I get it in social situations. You know, I've had, unfortunately been exposed to some people who are, are now, you know, tested positive with COVID-19. So I want to be ultra careful, even though I do take it off to drink tea, which probably, you know, probably, <laughs> probably defeats the whole purpose. But the sanguine in me, like this drives me crazy. Like, mm. you know, I, not being able to see people's faces, not being able to you know, exert my own expression is really hard. You got really good smile lines up here, though. Good, though. I mean, I'm trying. Rocking. And my glasses fog up so, and constantly the, the, comes down. Can we just talk about the glasses fogging up for a second? Yeah. It's, that's at least half of planet Earth right now, and it is difficult. And people that have glasses and don't have glasses don't understand. They don't. I tell you something to my wife, and she looks at me like I'm a baby. But this is <laughs> this is a, a danger. I can walk into something. I can fall off a cliff because my glasses are fogged up. You know, I almost bought the wrong cereal the other day, you know. So, I mean, this is, this is a real inconvenience, but you know, so I think, you know, in light of that, we all, we all can point out what's wrong, but the next step is much more important and, and praise God, really, we live in a society that still sees those things as wrong. Mm. The, 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 the desire for justice, the desire for peace, the desire for what's best in humanity. When we see the opposite, we react to it, mm. rightly so. But the next prudential question of, well, then what type of world do we want is the real struggle right now. Right. And I think people everywhere are confusing, you know, authentic freedom with just license mm. or, you know, even, you know, even the ways they expect government to provide those things for them. It's not right. the government's responsibility. Right. I mean, in, in, a, in a free democracy, the, the government's job is to maintain security mm -hmm. and to make sure that the exchange of goods allows equal access for all citizens. Mm. That's it. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's simple, you mm -hmm. know? And, and when we say security, it means protect certain rights that we believe all humans have. And then specific rights that citizens have because of their membership in our community. You know, and membership requires particular roles, responsibilities. But that, that basic thing in times of confusion, it seems as if what people want to do is they want to point out what's wrong, rightly so, but then advance their way of what they want the world to be without any authentic dialogue. Yeah. So you may have encountered this. If you have a position differently on, than anyone else right now, it's like a screaming match. You're like, whoa, just, I was just yes. trying to point out a different perspective. This is part of my confusion right now in the you know, righteous cries for justice mm -hmm. and yet without any mercy, yeah. without any desire to engage in relationship, friendship, dialogue first, mm -hmm. and then to approach solutions with even, I dare say, some level of compromise. Like yeah. that used to be an American ideal, yeah. you know, and I don't really like the idea of compromise kind of in my own sort of convictions. I, I want my way and I, I know what is true. And well, that doesn't actually move a body of people or move public opinion that just makes you a bit of an a-hole. You know what yeah. I mean? The, 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 the unique thing in all of this is what I've seen is that there are really smart people providing really incredible thoughtful opportunities for dialogue, but they're not the people that are getting the microphone. No, no. And, and this is, this is a common issue. This is, this is true in other places as well. Usually, you know, it's easier to go with the rebel rouser or the cavalier, you know, than it is to go with the person whose level stayed and mm. actually has some, you know, is going to demand something of you. And, 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 you know, this is, this is a challenge right now is where, 
where do we find voices that are calling for you know authentic opportunities for for reform? Where do we find the voices that are are calling for something beyond just a reaction to mm. the inconvenience and even the seriousness of of this pandemic? That's right. And you know. The, cha- the challenge is to find those voices. They're out there. Right. And the truth is, is that we have to become ourselves or to form ourselves as sort of that, our voice that way, right? Mm-hmm. We have to become, you know, well-formed, logical, loving, super charitable people who can look at the face of injustice, the crisis of a pandemic, and look at all that and say, okay, what are we going to do with this? That's right. And there's complexity there. And I think that's what's really hard for most people in a social media world. You, know? yeah, you can't fit into 144 characters. You can't. You there's can't. A, a nuance required. For sure. And you know, the, the truth is, is that we, we haven't taught people to think that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's not super surprising. We have, we have not taught people how to think this way. Mm. And, um, or how to think. Or how to think, period. period, right? Yeah. And it's not a matter of, of thinking like me or thinking like you. It's, it's not a matter of, of even arriving at the same conclusion. It's that there's a basic process that defends the legitimacy of your argument. That's, That's right. That's all. That's right. You know, I mean, we do this all the time. It's funny. We, we allow this and expect this in terms of marketing, right? Like we get, we get hypersensitive if someone tries to sell something they themselves have not used, mm-hmm. or if they give us some line that they've read, but they don't really believe, right? Mm-hmm. We, we know that we, we want to buy products from people that have some you know, authority or we trust, right? But we don't necessarily do that in terms of religion or philosophy. We just sort of you know, take these sound bites that we think agree <sighs> with our position, and that's a really bad way of forming oneself. Mm. You know, there is an actual process to thinking well. And in a society that doesn't do that necessarily all the time, it's hard to find the voices or even listen to the voices that are doing that because it takes time. Yeah. And I would love, as you talk about society and where we are, maybe just to pull back the veil for a moment from your perspective and, mm. and from mine. Where, where are we in this historical and cultural moment. You know, one of the things that was so clear to me from the beginning of this pandemic is something like anxiety is actually just beneath the surface Mm -hmm. of our entire culture. And all it took, really all it took was a pandemic for it to then completely close in with a tight grip on seemingly every person on planet Mm -hmm. earth. You know, things like, you know, this complete lack of hope People are so, in fact, obsessed with their health and this life and what, you know, 85 years on earth for them might actually look like that they can't even imagine a citizenship in heaven. I've been really struck. I thought in my optimism that there was more faith and more hope in America, maybe across the world. But at the moment, we've got even statues of the Blessed Virgin Mary that are being toppled. Churches on the West Coast that are being burned down. That's not actually what I thought America was. So part of me, it's almost like a a coming of age, but like on a political level, on a historic level, it's like, oh my gosh, like America isn't quite as innocent and and awesome as I thought. And that's really hard to accept, especially when, you know, on one side, you have people who just want to completely abandon our roots mm-hmm. and throw dirt on every last one of our founding fathers. And then on the other end, you have people who can't even just for a second think that there is any other country in the world apart from America. And I want to like live somewhere in the middle where I'm deeply patriotic and I love my homeland, you know, on a really local level and then certainly on a on a nationwide level with also just this deep awareness. that yeah, we're not perfect. We're not the first sort of Mm -hmm. empire in human history. And, you know, at the moment, it kind of feels like we're nearing our epic fall. 
You know, what, what's your assessment given yeah. the craziness of these times and just how clear and on the surface everything has really become? Yeah, I think, you know, where we're currently at is, is just a symptom of where we've been for a long time. Oh, you're fogging up in the left. Oh, yeah, bit. my left. Yeah, it's, it's always in the left. Sure. I don't know why it's uh, <laughs> always, always there. Yeah, I think, you know, what we're experiencing now is really just a symptom of what's been underneath the surface for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I distill it down to really that we have we have essentially sold people that a good life is a, a life that has a particular level of material quality. Mm -hmm. And as important as the material world is for our sustenance, I and mean, we need food, water, shelter, we need, we need, you know, we need certain things in life to, to both grow and develop, but those aren't the only things in life. And so we, we've, we've essentially trained for, and this is not just a generational thing for, for hundreds of years, we have focused on that the progress of the human person is based off of their ability to consume more and more material goods. Mm. So the moment you're conflicted with something that takes away from those material goods or your access to them, or, or you know, makes you feel as if something, those are out of your control, you're gonna see this really juvenile reaction to it. That's right. And so, you know, and I see them sort of as related but two separate things. So the, the, the current angst, existential and even practical with the pandemic comes from this sort of unanchoring. Mm. And when you're unanchored then, you, you typically default to whoever's telling you the position that you wanna hear most, right? Mm. And, and so if, if, you know, it's just the way that it sort of is. And so, you know, in a culture that, you know, so we can even go back you know, 3,500 years and, 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 and further even. But it, you know, in ancient Greece, they talked about this stuff, believe it or not. You know, is dialogue possible in an opulent society? Mm. You know, or is it just a matter, a matter of you know, sophistry and victimhood, right? I mean, they actually thought about this stuff you know, that long ago. We're, we're seeing it right now. And so I think- Sophistry and victimhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, essentially, who sounds who sounds good and who sounds like you know they're the biggest victim, and, and that that will be my deciding point of who I decide with, regardless yeah. of the credibility of their arguments. And so, in, in terms of this unique time in history, I would say this is some of the unique things about it because we've had other pandemics, we've had much more serious issues in in, in the United States. I mean, World War One, World War Two, even much more serious pandemics. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I the mean, Spanish flu. I mean, it, yeah. it was incredible. You know, it, or even just go back even further, you know, the bubonic plague and it's three waves in Europe and wiping out, you know, over a third of the population. I'm even more by some estimates. I mean, incredible. But what's unique about this moment is that we are getting the information on a global scale and, and we don't live on a global scale, mm. right? We don't. And so that, that becomes almost like a burden. It's not bad to have that information, but to have it so unfiltered and so raw and so immediate and so all the time <laughs> is, is above our ability as humans to cope. I mean, oh, in a lot yeah. of ways. And it doesn't give us the time we need to think about these things. And so what's unique about this particular situation is not that we're in a crisis. There's always human crisis. And the truth is that there's some beautiful examples of ingenuity coming out of this and beautiful mm. examples of magnanimity as well. I was had the opportunity to do some work again with my friend Alex Havard in Moscow. And one of the things that we did was we compiled examples and news stories of magnanimous people during the crisis. And one of my absolute favorites was a startup company in Italy two young men who essentially designed a software like overnight, like just they, they'd been building a company that they wanted to be able to 3D print on a, on a level that would compete with particular standards for not just the medical industry, but for the manufacturing industry. In other mm -hmm. words, they were creating a, a level of precision in 3D printing that wasn't previously available. They didn't realize that 
the five years they'd been working on this and his doctoral degree in material engineering and all this stuff was actually preparing him for right now. Mm. And they were actually able to make a disposable Venturi valve that could go on the, those that are used to intubate people, the ventilators, that then the ventilators wouldn't have to be fully thrown away. They could actually repurpose the ventilator using this little part. And he was printing thousands and thousands of these wow. and getting them to the hospitals in, in Italy. Now, that'd be cool of a story in of itself, but it goes further. He made all the software open source. Mm. This is six years of this guy's life. Wow. This is this young man's company in his future. And he literally just gave it all away. Wow. And they interviewed him and they're like, you know, the, the interviewer could not wrap their head around it. The interviewer's like, why would you, what's your economic <laughs> model and incentive to do this? As and if that was the only lens. As if that was the only lens. Yeah. And, and this, this young Italian guy who's is, is mid twenties looks at him and says, people are dying. I thought that was the priority. Hmm. I thought the priority was, was trying, you know, we can't save everyone, but you know, if we have an opportunity to help people, let's do it. Yeah. I thought that, you know, so there's, there's, there's these beautiful stories. So even amidst this crisis, so what's unique about this time is not that there's a crisis, there'll always be crisis. And there's always heroes of the crisis. What's unique about this time is that we're being exposed to so few heroes. Yeah. It's not that they don't exist. I think that we're, we're being exposed to so few. And hmm. so I've been telling a lot of people who are, who are mired down in the confusion this time, to you know, really, in some ways, try to discover you know, what's good, beautiful, and true even in this moment. Yeah. So we can come out on the other side. In terms of the sort of you know, justice and, and the unrest, you know, rightly so. I mean, we've been we've been exposed in, in a really unique way. I mean, I know. I mean, I've had a conversion in this regard. You know, I, I mean, I grew up in Southern California, living in the Southwest. I mean, there's always a, a level of inequality that we saw our, our immigrant brothers and sisters from Mexico be treated with. We knew that that, you know, those forms of racism, sometimes systemic in various organizations, was real, but we had never been confronted with it. Mm. And you know, I think you see a video like that and others, and, and something wells up inside of you, a righteous anger for, mm. for your brothers and sisters, just as from a human perspective. And then secondly, that that would happen in our country, on mm. our streets, like, you know, so there's this, this natural righteous anger. The, the challenge is, is that directing that towards good outcomes. That's right. And this has always been the struggle. And, and the poster child for this is Martin Luther King, man. He mm. is, you know, if, you, if I, I've been telling my students who are trying to get a context on this to go back and read the letters from Birmingham, you know, when he was in prison, mm. just to, to walk through those letters. And they're not easy letters to read. He's actually calling out his brother pastors for being silent. Yeah. And then he's simultaneously calling out those who are just calling for activism. Mm. And he's saying activism to what end? And I guess the point in all this is that, you know, what they share in common is that if we are unmoored from our anchors, mm. things can go south real quick. That's right. And so, you know, one of the questions is, is like, you know, what, what do we want out of the end of this? You know, right now the focus is just alleviating the symptom of the inconvenience of COVID. Mm. Like we should definitely be, it is a serious thing that our economy is collapsing in front of us, but that's not the only standard. You know, there are other areas of suffering. Mm. And, and so, I mean, in all of this, it's really an opportunity to reflect, hey, we are not God. We are human. We are creatures. Mm. We have limitations. And, you know, more than anything else right now, the technocratic paradigm is falling beneath our feet. Right? Yeah. This idea that we can solve all the problems in the world. That, that's, that's not human purpose. Human mm -hmm. purpose is, is not to solve all the problems in the world. Mm -hmm. Human purpose is to become who we are. Yeah. You know, and that's a very different proposition. That means about, you know, 
encountering and overcoming our problems with grace and poise without compromising what it means essentially to be human. Mm. And so, yeah, so I mean, I look at this time and think there are some really unique features of it and some things that are really common to other Christs of the past. Yeah. The challenge is what are we gonna do with it? It's amazing. You might've heard this early on because this was being passed all over email and social media, but it's a beautiful excerpt of C.S. Lewis talking about living in an atomic age. Have oh, you heard yes, this before? Yeah. Maybe we'll just get a brief response from you at the sure. end of it before we land the plane on this first episode. Well, at least this first episode with Dr. Ryan Hanning in season four of the Love Good Podcast. Right. What a joy. Because actually, I think next time around, we're probably going to dive into a little more politics. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready. An election that is already, I'm sure, causing hundreds, thousands, maybe millions to lose sleep at night. Like, it is a crazy, crazy— Oh, it's going to get crazier, too. Let's just be honest. I've never been in an election cycle. We're three, four, four and a half months out, and it already is like— Holy smokes, everywhere you turn, there is just constant barraging of ideas Mm -hmm. and of opinions and a lot of spite and a lot of vitriol hatred. And it's a lot to keep up with. So I look forward to navigating that, especially when we think about, well, how do I actually enter, as you said today, into meaningful, loving Mm -hmm. dialogue with with people like family and friends about issues that really do matter, while also not losing sight that there's more to life mm-hmm. than politics. There's more to life than the economy. Mm-hmm. That to be human is, well, it runs a bit deeper. And I think C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis touches on it right here. He says, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. Now, put this in context. Mm-hmm. He probably wrote this in the 50s or the 60s when that was a constant threat. My mm-hmm. dad says even growing up in the 60s, they would train regularly which obviously was sort of pointless, right? But like to get under the desks in case mm-hmm. of an atomic bomb or any sort of nuclear attack. And like, would that have saved anybody's lives? Probably not, you know? But as a kid, it definitely instilled a bit of a healthy fear and a respect mm-hmm. for the crisis that was unfolding, even if it was a cold war, yep. you know? So this is what he's talking about. He says, well, how are we to live in an atomic age? You know, how are we to live in the midst of a pandemic, he might say. Well, I'm tempted to reply why you should live as you lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at any point, or an age of paralysis, or an age of cancer like the one you're already living in, syphilis, air raids, railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, don't let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Mm -hmm. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us, we were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, which is anesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of a painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty." He closes with this. He says, this is the point to be made. Pull yourself Mm -hmm. together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb or COVID-19, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint, which we'll maybe do later. We've got to graduate from coffee and tea to pints a little bit later this afternoon. And a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. Even a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. At the heart of this, and C.S. Lewis, you know, 
got this so well. You can't lose sight of what it means to be human while you're trying to save what it means to be human, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, in order to save humanity, we need to stop being human. And that's an insane proposition. Mm. It's, it's a, a logical non-starter, right? And so, yeah, I think in, in light of this crisis, so much of it is really just to re-anchor oneself in the things that matter most. I mean, I know for me, you know, four months, actually now going on five months of not traveling. I've been home with the kids. I can, I, I don't know if I ever want to go back on the road, Jimmy. Like I, it is, you know, the, the time I've had with my family and, and the blessing there. Yeah. You know, like I, I know, like, it's funny, you know, I, I, I complain about these things. And I could imagine like me complaining to someone and my, my daughter standing there looking at me like totally heartbroken. Mm. Like, how could you say that five months at home was, was, was a bore or was a challenge? Like, I best not say that. It's not true, right? What's happened is that, you know, I have, you know, while trying to advance humanity, I've set my eyes on so many things that are, are really inhuman, mm. aren't, aren't necessary for what it means to fully flourish. So let this time, you know, let this time be a time of, of, of deep re-encounter with who we are. Bathing the children and drinking your pints. Yes, exactly. I mean, really just entering back in to, to what, what's most important. Because if yeah. we lose sight of that, then, you know, we might as well just, you know, fall down to COVID-19 right now. That's right. And it's funny because a lot of times what people think is they, they, they create a false dichotomy. They think that either on one hand, you have to just sort of fall down and give up, right? This sort of, uh, this, this abdication. Mm. Or they think on the other hand, that's like total domination. Like we got to put a hunt, everything into this as if there's no middle ground. Mm. And the truth is there's this beautiful prudential middle ground, both for individuals and as a society where we can simultaneously recognize the seriousness of it, simultaneously recognize that in solidarity, we must take prudential steps together as a community with at the same time, not abandoning what it means to be human. Mm. I mean, it, it is still a shock to me. I mean, really like it's a scandal to me that we can wrap our heads around why a pharmacy would be essential, why Home Depot or Lowe's would be essential. And liquor stores. Yeah, that one I'm having a harder time with. You know, I, I can see distilleries because, <laughs> you know, they make the goods that are necessary. <laughs> you know, but, you know, but that churches would be so so closed. Yeah. You know, as if as if there's not a prudential way we can re-enter into church. And there is, yeah. of course. Just like there's a prudential way we can, you know, re-enter into to, to go buying lumber. Mm. You know, and it does require, you know, certain demands certain things of us that all membership requires. Right? It's never been more attractive to have a priest in the family. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, come on. <laughs> or or be the guy who records the masses for the parish. I love it. I've, I've, had, yeah, yeah. I've had zero break in my sacramental life. It's, it's amazing. But you know, the point being is that this is an opportunity, just like C.S. Lewis says, to, to refocus on on what we're trying to save. Mm. Well said. Well and said. so let's let's do the hard work of of, of rediscovering the joy of being human Mm. admits the challenges of a life that never promised us it would be free of pain. Mm. Admits the challenges of a life that's meant to be hard work. Admits the promises of a life that says, you know, it's 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 not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And right. that our ultimate insight is, is not just here, but is in heaven. Yeah. And if we can just take on that attitude, I think we can enter into this Christ with greater grace, greater hope, greater conviction, and that we come on the other side of it better off as people in general, mm. more able to enter into the important things in life. Dr. Ryan Hanning, as always, it's so good to return to the essentials. That's one of the things that you do best. It's the first of many conversations to come in season four. So uh, thanks for being a part of this yet again. Much more to come. Excellent. Thank you so much. See ya. Oh, my love, do you recognize this beat? Oh, it's my heart pounding as you sweep me off my feet. And I'm so grateful 
that we both have legs and dance Cause I can't stop stepping through the groove of this romance And when you laugh, I hear that sound is stuck in my head, stuck in my head And even when you're not around, you're stuck in my head I tell her, whoa, that girl's just stuck in my head, stuck in my head And oh, that smile's just stuck in my head, stuck in my head I You're listening to Stuck in My Head from the 2017 EP from Nick Fabian. That was released exclusively to our patrons and only much later did it come out on Spotify and everywhere else digital music is found. Go support Nick and many of the other artists that you hear about through Love Good. And and this is so much of what our movement is about, is rallying around artists whose, whose artistry, whose beauty, whose craft can really impact culture at large, transform it from the inside out. It's such a privilege to get to work alongside artists like Nick and thought leaders like Dr. Ryan Hanning. I mean, gosh, haven't we all just been waiting for his reflection, his perspective on where we are right now as a society. Such a joy, such a joy as it always is. And many of you guys are very aware that only last week we had an incredible artist in the studio by the name of Jordy Searcy. And we are constantly working alongside artists, not only in our seasonal packages to patrons, but even our monthly live streams that are exclusively available, particularly the premium access, the meet and greet access to our patrons, to people on our email list. So if all of that, it kind of sounds new to you, go to lovegoodculture.com. Just peruse the website. We have so many exciting things happening all the time. So exciting, in fact, that I've got some news for you. Many of you are already aware of this. Some of you are going to hear it for the first time. I have, just in the last week or two, made a pretty big decision to move down to Tampa, Florida for just the year, at least for 10 months. I'm going to be living in Tampa, Florida, setting up an office and a studio down there. So we're going to be rocking it with Love Good. We're bigger than we've ever been. We're growing faster than we've ever grown. And we're going to have uh, an incredible operation down there in Tampa. In fact, it's our second biggest hub in the country. We have more patrons in Tampa than any other city in the world, in fact, other than Nashville. And so I'm really excited about that. And meanwhile, I'm also going to be heading up campus ministry for this incredible all-boys Catholic high school down there called Jesuit. And we've had artists, we've had apprentices come from that school. And I'm just really, really excited to be taking that on, at least for this next year, alongside all the beautiful things happening here at Love Good. So all that being said, for those of you who are new to Love Good, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Check out our website, check out our social media. So many big things happening all the time. For those of you who are patrons who have been on board for the longest time imaginable, we cannot thank you enough. We can't do this without you. This movement not only depends on you, you are the movement. Love good patrons, you are the movement. You are the front lines of this movement that is building a better culture, that is that is really in every imaginable way recognizing the difference between beauty and her counterfeits and saying beauty matters. Beauty leads to truth, which transforms the world. And that is so what the world is desperate for, especially in these times. Hope you guys are having an amazing week. Next week, I'll be sitting back down here in the Love Good studio, this time with Father Ryan Adorjan, one of our other regular contributors. I've also got a super exciting flash sale happening on the Love Good website next week. We're gonna be giving away, not giving away, but basically giving away 
so many of our amazing music, books, art, apparel, coffee mugs, coffee at a really, really steep discount. We do this twice a year, typically on Black Friday, and then also some random 48-hour period in the summertime. And that's happening next week. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for Father Ryan Adorjan. We'll see you next time around. Peace. Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.